It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dave Hooker Show. Presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Here we go, off and rolling, plenty to talk about, even without a baseball team, because apparently that is going to be the case for the Vols in 2023, but we've got Tennessee now meeting with the NCAA as we speak in Cincy about NCAA issues concerning Jeremy Pruitt, Philip Fulmer is there, we're going to get into that, also Tennessee's top newcomers based off spring practice, Josh Ward will join us, and he is fantastic and Tennessee with some basketball news as they pick up another transfer what does that mean Chris Ledlam from Harvard he obviously isn't making the move based off academics so it must be basketball and we've got today's tough question coming up brought to you by Craven Wings and certainly check them out first it's national high five day so let me ask you Caleb Calhoun, when is the last time that you have given someone a high five? Good morning to all those on the message board, including you, Travis. When's the last time you've given somebody a real high five? Last night. I was at the pub watching the Grizzlies win game two without Jaw. A real high five. Not Nux, but high five. Well, the bartender high fived me. So, you know, it okay. was uh, sent me congrats. And uh, by the way, how about those Grizzlies? No John Morant beat LeBron in AD. The Grizzlies are better without John Morant. 
that's that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother show. I'm a Nux guy. I'm a Nux. I don't do the high five. I do the Nux. So I do that daily because, oh, and also it's 420, Travis pointed out. So, uh, yeah. So like it's monetized. <laughs> yeah, puff away, puff away. We, we do encourage you to go to the hemp house um, that can get you uh, all that you need in terms of uh, CBD. So certainly check them out. But yeah, it's 420. Tell me to move back to Tennessee. Hey, call me when you'll actually make 420 legal to celebrate. <laughs> Yes, and I mentioned Snoop Dogg's uh, chips on the show yesterday, and somebody posted on there, Dave, it's okay to admit that you went to a dispensary. I'm not admitting that. I just am saying that I heard of Snoop Dogg's chips. It's all I'm saying, Caleb. Dave goes to the dispensaries in California. He goes to the Playboy Mansion in California. I'd like to... I like to have a good time. I'm not going to lie to you there. All right, so we've got a lot to get to, and I want to get it rolling right now because it is today's tough question, and it's brought to you by Craven Wings, three locations, and they've got the fantastic brunch every Saturday morning at the Chodo location, never frozen, always fresh, and it is phenomenal. It is time for today's tough question. It's brought to you by Craven Wings. Go to cravenwings.com. Dot com as my fun little machine is not doing the right thing. But here we go. Today's tough question brought to you by Craven Wings, CravenWings.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. So I'm going to post this on the Twitter if it sticks, but I want to run it by Caleb Calhoun first. And if you haven't had a chance to check out offthooksports.com, I would encourage you to do so. Great recruiting coverage by Caleb Giroux. Should Philip Fulmer fall on the sword? Today's tough question. Your thoughts on today's tough question. What do you think of that direction, Caleb Calhoun? Because right now, Philip Fulmer, Jeremy Pruitt, Greg Sankey, who made an appearance, the SEC commissioner, and the whole crew, Donde Plowman, everybody you can imagine is sitting in front of the NCAA and they're trying to argue that Tennessee uh, made the break from Jeremy Pruitt, which is debatable because they paid a severance package to the guy that hired him. So I ask you, should Philip Fulmer fall on the sword? If he were to go into that room right now at this very moment in time and say, listen, I knew about some NCAA issues that were ongoing. I want to go ahead and say that I did not do uh, the right thing by reporting those. And this is a big leap and a big assumption, but I think it's it's hard to believe that he was not at least willfully ignorant, as you put it, and I love that phrase. If he went in there and did that, Tennessee's off the hook, right? Completely off the hook, like offthehooksports.com. You're no, th- they're still not off the hook because I, he gave them – they still – they he needs to get – yes, he should fall on the sword and he should give back his severance package. He should say, I'm going to give the money back. I don't deserve this. I shouldn't have gotten this. Because- Travis says he 100% would never do that. You're, you're right. Never, ever do that. Okay, but but the theoretical is if he steps in there and he gives it – was it 350 grand he got in a severance package and he gives that back, then suddenly 
you're looking at a whole different scenario. Tennessee has completely separated itself from the Pruitt fiasco. Tennessee even threw one of its favorite beloved sons under the bus in order to get away from him. I'm just, listen, would he do it? Absolutely not. What would it mean for his legacy? That's what I want to get into. He is not going to do that, but should he do that at the end of the day? Yes. Yes, he should do it. He should absolutely do it for a few reasons. One, because he was at the very... Philip Fulmer did not was not your typical athletic director. He let it be known when Jeremy Pruitt was his hire. We Jimmy Hines brought this up yesterday, and I completely forgot about it until he said it. Philip Fulmer had an NCAA violation because he was coaching offensive linemen in some of Jeremy Pruitt's practices at one point. He was sure. very hands-on. He orchestrated a coup to take that job, which is fine, but he went... he. He orchestrated a coup to take the job and then hire his hand-picked coach and then make it very clear his hands are all over this coach and let it – I mean, he was doing interviews about the future of the football program on a daily – not a daily, but I'm exaggerating there. But on a monthly basis, he was talking about the future of the football program more than even you felt Jeremy Pruitt was. So he was very hands-on for all of that to happen and then him to go to the NCAA and say, oh, guys, I'm totally clear of any of this. I didn't know about any of this. No, he should absolutely – fall on the sword and here's another big reason why i'm going to say this because fulmer's a favorite son of tennessee and he deserves his respect for what he's done for tennessee i'm but i'm going to say this right now tennessee's done more for fulmer than fulmer's done for tennessee ouch i think the national title i think the nature of the program in the 90s made it very easy for tennessee to win a national championship and I think that was arguably the best job in college football in the 90s at the time. And so it was easy to recruit. There were structural advantages that Fulmer kind of walked into when he got the job because Johnny Majors did the legwork to really build that up. Now, Johnny Majors, I'm not saying he didn't deserve to be fired. I mean, how many times was Johnny Majors guilty of losing to a team he shouldn't have lost to once a year? A lot. And so I'm not saying that, but... And, and I give and the the one thing that like the one recruiting score that I firmly give to Philip Fulmer and nothing else is getting Peyton Manning, which that was a big one. Like you can't undersell that. It was more David Cutcliffe than Philip Fulmer, but still, I, getting Peyton Manning was a big one. I, but I think there were structural advantages at Tennessee at the time that made it the best job in college football, where you could have your pick of coaches who could have won a national title there during that time. Okay, so. We're assuming he's at least willfully ignorant. So that's the assumption that we're having this discussion on. Or even if he's not, if he goes there, a lot of this stuff goes away. If he goes to the NCAA and says, I, I made the wrong hire, I realized this wrong stuff was going on. But here's the thing that you're, you're overlooking. His legacy should be important to him. Now, you could argue that Philip Fulmer has put himself in front of the university in his interest ahead of the university at times. But the bottom line is he has a legacy that he wants to maintain. And this is a slight blemish on his resume right now, the NCAA issues and the hiring of Jeremy Pruitt. But Caleb, if he were to come out and say, this is my bad and I've laid low in the weeds for the two years since this would look, this would, this would be more than a, uh, a blemish. This would be a stain 
on his resume. This would be included in his Wikipedia page. So, no, I say absolutely not. His legacy is too important. I, look, sometimes Wikipedia pages have to have a stain. I mean, again, I, I think Pete Rose has, deserves that statue in front of outside of the Red Stadium, Great American Ballpark. He deserves that statue. But Pete Rose's first paragraph of his Wikipedia page is going to say that he was banned for, ban- for betting on baseball. And that's never going to change. So it, that doesn't, that, in my opinion, should that take away from what he did as a player with the all-time hits record? No, it shouldn't. But it's on his. It's on the first paragraph of his Wikipedia page, and this belongs in the first par- paragraph of Fulmer's Wikipedia page. It does first paragraph? His Philip Fulmer is a player, a national championship winning coach, and an athletic director who was forced to step down due to NCAA violations. Which now is not the case. It wouldn't read like that, even though we know it's the truth. Right. Exactly. But that's. All I'm saying is you can read the first paragraph of something and still look at the positives and say, okay, the positives still outweigh. Look look at John Calipari's resume. He's a national championship head coach who's put a lot of players in the NBA. He also has two final fours vacated at two separate schools. That belongs in the opening segue of, in the opening crawl of his pair of the Wikipedia page. I, it, this belongs on Fulmer's Wikipedia page. That doesn't change what he did. I'm with you. Still get Fulmer a statue outside of Nayland. Say thank you for winning us a national title. There's a street named after him for crying out loud. He's earned the right to have that street named after him. He deserves that respect. There's Philip Fulmer Day. Every year Tennessee plays Kentucky is called Philip Fulmer Day in football now. He has a day named after him. He deserves, and I'm fine with all of that. You don't have to get rid of any of that. You just have to acknowledge that, look, you have to accept when you take on the role of athletic director, that has to be part of your legacy, whatever else you did. And part of his legacy was leaving Tennessee in a complete dumpster fire of, of a situation at the end of 2020, at the beginning of 2021. Do me a favor, hit that thumbs up button, that like button, even if you disagree with Caleb, which a lot of people do. So go ahead and hit that thumbs up button. The like button brings more people in. If you haven't subscribed yet, do so. We'll have more news later this week as the Celebrate 98 series is about uh, about to launch, and we're excited about that. D says, warning, guys, yes, and he will gladly do it again for UT like he did before. If he says he knew, then his actions would be liable to the university. He should have gotten the severance. But here's my take. If he really wanted to put the interest of the university ahead of himself, whether or not he was willfully ignorant, whether or not he knew, whether or not he was complicit, he could make all of this go away. Hoghead said Fulmer left the program in a total mess on two different occasions. It's true. And then we have the other side where D says, bull stuff, Caleb. He was the recruiter for majors. Some truth to that. There's there's some truth to that. All right, let but, me push uh, back. Okay. Fulmer was a very hard worker on the trail. I'm not going to – and you know that better than I do. No, I, I, I doubt – I don't know. He probably worked at least as hard as any coach in the 90s at recruiting, didn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> he worked as a tireless recruiter. Yes. There were other tireless recruiters out there that could have been just as successful. That's all I'm saying. I know he was the recruiter for majors, and I'm aware of that. By the way, the Manning thing we all know was about David Cutcliffe. Peyton Manning had a massive, massive level of chemistry with David Cutcliffe, and that is the reason that David Cutcliffe was hired by Ole Miss, because the Manning family loved him so much. Hoghead points out his legacy includes losing to Wyoming and Memphis. So with that legacy intact, 
twice leaving a program in total shambles, you you do have to include all of that. So how will he be remembered? Or is this just a little postscript to his Wikipedia legacy? I mean, it's, you know, it's funny. College football coaches are judged differently than, for instance, U.S. presidents. U.S. presidents are judged by what the state the country was in at the moment they left office. College football coaches are judged by what they did at their peak. You know what I mean? They're not judged by what state the program was and what they lived. If Fulmer was a U.S. president, he would be judged very negatively because he walked into a good situation in 1993 and he left the program in shambles in 2008. Yes, but in the middle of that, you're right. He did win a national championship and had a bunch of top five finishes. But so it's weird. I don't know how you judge head coaches. Do you judge like what they inherited to what they took it to or do you judge what they did, just their straight up success on the field? I think it's easier than politicians, actually, because I think the economy can have a delay of a couple of years. I think, you know, pretty quickly just by watching football, if the talent level is going up or not. And then you can look at game management that results in wins and losses. So I actually think it's easier than politics. Uh, It's going to be even easier and quicker nowadays with the transfer portal and NIL. Uh, D says that settles it in my mind. Kentucky must remain a yearly opponent. Hoghead is still hurt over. Uh, 98 Arkansas. I'm not even sure what you're talking about there, DL. <laughs> well, so and, uh, to push back on Hawkhead, and I mean, see, guys, I, I'm I'm the most fair minded person you will ever meet. To like pull to be a little Trumpy, I am the most fair person in the history of the world. World, <laughs> and so I am extremely fair. I don't think the Wyoming and Memphis losses are like should. Like that's not that's unfair to former because every coach has horrible losses. Every coach has bad losses. One of Tennessee's national championship teams in 1950, they lost to a terrible Mississippi State team in the second game of the year. That was under Nalen. Majors, like you, like we've talked about, Majors was good for a bad loss a year. Uh, yeah, definitely. You were just kind of waiting for it to happen. All right, Tennessee with some news on the basketball front. Brought to you by Craft Treats. Go to crafttreats.com. Uh, today's tough question brought to you by Craven Wings and crafttreats.com. If you use the promo code off the hook, that's the promo code off the hook, then you'll get 20% off. Check out their chill pills for your pet's digestive issues, anxiety issues, or arthritis. They will absolutely take care of your pet, and they also have great holistic treats there at crafttreats.com. Use the promo code off the hook. That's the promo code off the hook, crafttreats.com. All right, what, what do you uh, – okay, so <clears throat> host on the message board wouldn't have had high pull if not for Fulmer and hiring Pruitt. And a little bit of a reach there. That's a backhanded co- – no, he's saying Fulmer was so bad at his job. Tennessee. Oh, I got you. It's a uh, – it, it, it's – James Buchanan was such a bad president, we got Abraham Lincoln. I mean <laughs> – There we go. All right, so Tennessee picks up another commitment from Harvard. And I want to get your thoughts on Chris Ledlam. You were really big on Jordan Ganey. Uh, He's a spot-up shooter tied to Tennessee. His his dad's an assistant coach, so I don't know that it was a big coup in the transfer recruiting world, but um, it was a a significant get and a guy that can shoot from outside. What do you think of Ledlam from Harvard? I think this is a weird, weird pickup. I'm going to be honest. And it is, makes no sense. And I'm 180 everything I said yesterday when I thought Rick Barnes was finally learning to move to modernize his approach. This is, he's looking for an Olivier Kamwa replacement. And he went for a 6'6 guy that could play the post that could potentially stretch the court. 
Tennessee needs more shooters. Yes, he is averaging around between eight, eight and a half and nine and a half rebounds the past two years. That's in the Ivy League, guys. A 6'6", 225-pound guy is not going to average between eight and a half and nine and a half rebounds in the SEC. So let's look at his scoring real quick. Okay, averaging 18.8 points a game. He's 29.4% from three. 63.3% from the free throw line. And this is who you go for? I'm sorry, I don't get it at all. Again, the only way I could the only way I could think this makes sense is if again Rick Barnes is going for defense because you know defense wins championships even though it's never won him a championship. And I, I just I don't get this pick of it all. And I don't think it's good for Tennessee. Let me ask you this. At what point are we a little unsure about how good these guys are? Because they're coming from places like Harvard. And then if you want to say uh, McCallum Castles came from like a UC Irvine, at what point do you have the same thing in recruiting or in, in transfer portal that you've had in recruiting for years? Like you would say the guy who uh, played at Powell High School, where I went to school, dominated everybody, and that's awesome, and he's a five-star. But the guy that dominated in Atlanta, that's a five-star, usually is better. Why? Because he faced better competition. At what point do we say that it's tough to judge some of these guys because of the competition they're playing? It, it Really, it's going to come down to evaluation, just like recruiting at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it is. Let me it, give you an example. Alabama didn't go crazy in the transfer portal. They saw one guy they needed in Jameer Gibbs, and they went and got him, and the talent evaluation was spot on. That is true. You're right, in talent evaluation. I guess the best uh, – one really good example of this would be – wasn't this what held back – oh, I'm trying to remember. It was – it was too – one, it, it's recruiting for me, but it, here's a great uh, comparison – Daniel Brooks versus Patrick Willis, 2003. Remember that? When <laughs> I remember that. Yes, I remember that. Was it, I mean, rest in peace, like Daniel Brooks, like, he, you know, he got his, it, it's tragic what happened. But wasn't there concern that because Patrick Willis played in a smaller town outside of Jackson, that he didn't have the same level of competition? And that's why he was so much more lowly rated than Daniel Brooks? I will be honest with you. that it, The Patrick Willis thing is one of the two or three things that you could ask me about when I covered Tennessee full-time 60 hours a week that I cannot answer the question of that. I just know that John Chavis didn't like him. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know why. I mean, the guy's a borderline hall of famer in the NFL, but let's get back to basketball for a moment. Yeah, so, down. Yes, go ahead. Oh yeah. I was going to say, if you were going to ask at what point, I, what I would say is that it's, it, it in basketball, it, there's one area where you can evaluate and you don't need the level of competition. And that's spot-up shooters. What's their three-point percentage? What's their free-throw percentage? I mean, that, that, that's not that hard. You know what I mean? It's If you're looking for a spot-up shooter, it doesn't matter who's guarding you. It doesn't really change. Yeah, but it's still easier to knock down a three against Yale than it is against Kentucky and Rupp. Not if you're going for a spot. Oh, oh, you're talking about the fans and the crowd noise and things like that. Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah, we don't. Yes, that is true, but that that's one layer of it, and that probably does have an impact, but I think more it, – it's easier. It's just easier to evaluate that than it is a Chris Ledlam, who Rick Barnes went for size and defense and rebounding. It's easier to rebound against Yale, against Yale bigs than it is against Kentucky bigs. <laughs> On the message board, uh, Barnes needs an offensive coordinator. 
Amen. <laughs> Here we go. Four downs brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han. Look at me. I've got no contacts, got no glasses. That's because I have LASIK. I can see far. I can see close. It is absolutely awesome. They'll do cataract surgery as well. And the cool thing about it is they're local doctors who can do your annual checkups too with their vision centers. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han. Local, local, local. You need to know that because. There's some other people that are just flying doctors in from all over. I still tell the story. Had my procedure on a Friday, and then on a Sunday, my doctor called, a Sunday evening, called just to say, hey, I wanted to check and see that everything's uh, going well for you. And that was pretty awesome. You don't get that just anywhere. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. Four downs. Talking Tennessee hoops now. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, here we go. Four downs. Scale of one to ten. How big of a get is Levelham from Harvard for the basketball balls? Two. All right. Two. <laughs> How would you compare it to Ganey? Ganey's a much bigger get for the balls. Okay. Third down. <laughs> Will the balls miss Olivier Kamwa? He might cost them a game or two, but not significantly. No, I don't think they will. Okay. So does Ledlam fourth down at all change your thoughts on Tennessee and what they could do? You've said, you said yesterday after gains, Gainey, excuse me, you said that Tennessee's still a second-round loss team in the NCAA tournament and about the same as they did last year. I'm assuming that Ledlam doesn't change anything. No, Ledlam absolutely changes nothing for me. This is a complete waste of a pickup. This is a waste of a pickup, and Vescovi is a choke artist. So, you know. Rough on the balls. Josh Ward coming up next. Tennessee's top newcomers after spring camp. Stay tuned. More coming up. He is Caleb Calhoun. I am Dave Hooker. Josh Ward next to the Sports Animal. To own the more that owns every job, then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassies, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own 
is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we wanna be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. What's up, everybody? This is University of Tennessee tight end Jacob Warren, proud to announce that I'll be working with Craven Wings again this season. And I want you to give your all and try my signature sauce, Sauce 87 at either of the Craven Wings' two locations, Chapman Highway in Seymour and South North Shore Drive at the Markets of Chodo. When you're Craven Wings, it's gotta be Craven Wings. Online at cravenwings.com. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get caught, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Joined now by a very special guest as we're going to talk some Tennessee football newcomers. And Josh Ward joins us now with the Sports Animal. You can listen to him noon to three right there in Knoxville. And he streams like crazy. He's got a great newsletter. So check it out. Josh underscore Ward. Josh, how are you, sir? I'm good, guys. Good to be with you. So it's it's good it's good to have you. We always enjoy the Thursday conversation with Josh. So, um, Josh, it's four twenty day and it's uh, National High Five Day. So you are more likely by the end of this week to get high or give a high five. Well, I have a one year old that has still a uh, a select number of skills. One of those is to high five. So. I've already handed out a number of high fives today. It's morning, uh, even. Yeah, the the three year old uh, needs some high fives to maybe get himself going. Uh, he he's not necessarily a morning person quite yet. So uh, I'll I dish out a lot of high fives, some booms, but more high fives, fist pounds. I'm I'm not a high five guy. Maybe that's a the kids grow up thing. I'm a fist bump guy at the gym because I don't want you to talk to me because I have my headphones on. I'm working yeah, out. Da- David Putty and I would have gotten along really well because he really appreciated a high five, especially if he was working out a great deal at the dealership. Hey, why can't, why can't a dip be a meal? Things like that <laughs> bug me. <laughs> Everything about things like that. Got I mean, support the team. Yeah, the, <laughs> David Putty is one of the, the great thinkers of our time, if you ask me. Yes. Seinfeld yeah. fans, I think, would agree. I gotta go. When I get back. We'll make out. All right, here we go. Character. Which episode was that? You know what? Oh, I was just watching it the other day. That's the next thing you got, Josh. When they get a little bit older, you expose your kids to Seinfeld and some of the things you liked as an adult. As an adult, which that's super cool. Oh, yeah. Part the, of my plan has been to just raise them as if they are. I was born in '85, so just raise them like they were born when I was. So in five years, they're going to learn about this brand new band called Pearl Jam, and they're going to be very excited about it. My son is a huge Zeppelin fan, There you as go. a matter of fact. I can hear him driving up the driveway, and he's blasting Zeppelin. I'm like, 
That's a good kid. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's get rolling here. Um, you wrote a, a story based off uh, spring camp with some of the top newcomers that had, had come in. It was It's kind of funny. We look back at last year and we thought Justin Williams Thomas would be a breakout guy and that didn't work out. So we are clearly speculating, but with at least spring, we know a little bit more. And then everybody wants to ask about Nico. So you were at the orange and white game, your impressions uh, of what Nico did in a very limited role. Well, he walked onto the field at the sound of a loud roar from the fans. Fans were very excited to see Nico out there in a Tennessee uniform even if it was just a spring game. And the quarterback position is an attraction for Tennessee. There's no doubt. The fans are excited about what both guys can do, Joe Milton and Nico. But they've seen Joe. There's more intrigue with what Nico is, what he can become as Tennessee's quarterback. So watching him play, it's a spring game, and there was always the qualifier. But there's no qualifier to his rollout throw down the right sideline to Ethan Davis, that is an example of why Nico is so highly regarded as a quarterback. He has a skill set that most quarterbacks in his class do not possess. He has a lot to learn, which Nico has talked about and Josh Heupel has talked about, but he has a lot to work with as he is learning Tennessee's offense and understanding what Josh Heupel is expecting. Another thing that I think we learned over the last few weeks, and part of it was expected going in, is that Joe Milton is still the starter. Joe Milton is the guy. There's competition in terms of guys go out there on the field and compete, but there is not competition to be the quarterback starter. The starter is Joe Milton, which everybody in that building recognizes, including Nico, who talked about Joe being somebody that has helped Nico learn. And Joe talked about two years ago when he arrived at Tennessee, he didn't understand all the plays. He's trying to learn quickly. Now he's a guy that, he understands what the coaches expect, and he can explain to Nico and Gaston Moore and Navy Shuler, the other quarterbacks that he mentioned, when they have questions for him. So I think we've learned that Joe is QB1, and Nico is a very talented but young QB2. Josh, I like to think I'm tied in. Um, I like to think you're tied in as well. I think we both are. I go back to the CBS report of whispers that Nico's not living up to the hype. And tell me – if you have gotten one inclination from anybody you've talked to within Tennessee's program that that's the case, because I've gotten a big goose egg zero. No one has whispered, shouted, whispered. mimed anything negative about Nico as a quarterback, as a highly touted player on campus at Tennessee. It's been quite the opposite that Tennessee coaches have seen him and said, yeah, that evaluation, pretty good in terms of what his talent is. And then also, a lot of people are really impressed with how Nico has asked questions, how he has worked, how he has been in the facility, trying to understand and grow as a quarterback. So I've not heard anything, anyway. even close to what was written about whispers questioning if Nico is worth it. And you can always debate worth if you want to, if dollars are included. And that was part of the the point there. I I found it notable that a few weeks later, a different writer at CBS Sports said there needs to be more talk about how impressive Nico is on the field because there's been too much NIL conversation and not enough talk about what kind of talent and player he is. So I think Tennessee is very happy with Nico while keeping first-year expectations reserved but excited about what he can become in the future. Also recognizing 
that Nico could be needed. That's just the position. A lot of quarterbacks went down in the SEC last season, including at Tennessee. So Nico has to be ready because at some point this year, he could be needed. But assuming nothing physically happens to Joe Milton between now and September 2nd when Tennessee plays Virginia, Joe Milton will start at quarterback for Tennessee. We're being a little veiled. CBS Sports, it was Dennis Dodd who said the right. whispers at Nico. And was it Barrett's Lee that said? No, it was a, di- it was a different writer uh, whose name I recognize, but it escapes me right now. But I've I've read a number of times, well-versed in the world of college football. And that was within the last two weeks. It was a leading up to the spring game type column. But uh, yeah, it was Dennis Dodd who wrote about the whispers questioning if Nico was worth it. And I just have no idea why Dennis Dodd wrote that or where he could have possibly come up with that information. Yeah, but Barrett loved Butch Jones more than Butch Jones' own parents, so I always take that with a grain of salt. Uh, well, now, B- Barrett, who's a, he's a weekly guest on my radio show. I love Barrett. He's a Braves fan, too, so you know that he's a high-quality person. He, uh, he, I think, had Tennessee and the quarterback position as something to watch for the spring. So Tennessee's gotten a lot of CBS sports coverage, I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry to go so long. No, there. it's fine. I've, I've read a lot of Barrett's alley, too. I always thought he – I always thought he – I, I look at writers and I see who they favor and who they don't. I always thought Ten- Barrett was one of the ones who really actually kind of favored Tennessee. He seemed like he, but it's good for CBS if Tennessee's good. So, I mean, um, Butch Jones, how many times did he say they win the SEC t- championship there on your program, Josh? I counted 18. Well, uh, I've, I've had three kids since that would have been a possibility. So my, my memory is, it's all over the place. I got some cobwebs to undo on that. He loves Butch Jones like Barrett Slee. Josh, I wanted to stick with the backfield and newcomers in the backfield. You know, we we heard a lot of talk about Cam Seldon moving to running back in the spring. After seeing him play the spring game and seeing Deshaun Bishop, but then knowing Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, and Dylan Sampson were held out, does him playing the spring game, is that a sign that he's not going to play that much in the fall? Because didn't it seem like Josh Heifel (laughs) – use his running backs and receivers like the ones he doesn't care about getting hurt are the ones he trotted out there in this game like like kirsten biggers (laughs) yeah uh (laughs) that's that's a funny point uh that well the veteran guys who are injured banged up whatever they're going to be held out and then the young guys get their first opportunity but uh i i don't know that that's the case because i think there are a few freshmen a few newcomers that tennessee believes will be able to play right away and make an impact. And I think Selden is on that list. I think Arion Carter on defense at linebacker is on that list. You have to be careful whenever the conversation of freshmen come up because it's easy to be excited about them when they arrive on campus and are going through spring with veterans out, which allows the newcomers to get those needed reps. But I, I think Selden is different. I think he's a guy that physically matches the – highly touted evaluation that accompanied his name in recruiting. He is a big guy that can run and he's versatile with his skill set as he can run with the football. He can be a receiver. The question during recruiting was whether Selden would play wide receiver or running back. And I think Josh Heupel is smart enough to figure out ways to use his skill set in both ways as a runner and receiver. So how big is his role right away? I don't know because I am confident that Jalen Wright and Jabari Small are going to be heavily involved right away this upcoming season. But that's also a position where you need to have three or four guys that you can count on. And Tennessee was pretty fortunate last year because they had a lack of depth. But I think they also had to count on those guys to run banged up during the season because of the lack of bodies. Remember they brought in Lynn J. Dixon 
last August in a somewhat desperate move. I say that because they just didn't have many players. Lyneth Whitehead had gone down. Lynn J. Dixon was available because he had transferred to West Virginia, then was not at West Virginia. So they brought him in. He lasted a few practices and was gone. That tells you where the numbers were. I think they're in a better position. Deshaun Bishop would be a guy where I think they're legitimately impressed with what he's done this spring. Expecting that he plays a role right away would be unfair. But at some point during his time at Tennessee, I think Deshaun Bishop will factor into Tennessee's offense too. Selden has a better chance to factor in more quickly. Yeah, I mean, Bishop was at Carnes four months ago. That That is a heck of a transition. We had a couple yeah, see this real quick. Sorry, since you brought up Lynn J., Lynn J. Dixon, I'm sorry, but – we know if you're not talented enough at West Virginia, you're not talented enough for Tennessee. But if your all-field issues keep you out of West Virginia, your all-field <laughs> issues will keep you out of any place in the country. Like, they take anybody. He was yeah, and, uh, and for burning that, pouches. Yeah, that proved to be the case, I think, uh, in just a matter of days. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Elijah Herring is – somebody asked a question about Elijah Herring. He would not yeah. be on the upper crust of guys that I've, I've – heard about that could make an impact this fall but he's kind of that second tier yeah he's a guy that is kind of like a rocket in the way that he plays he is he is one of those whoa boy players in the way that he likes to fire off and I think that showed a little bit last year in some of the playing time that he received so at linebacker the conversation starts with Aaron Beasley he really developed last season and looks so good in the Orange Bowl for Tennessee and is a leader for the Vols on that side of the ball. He's an older guy. Uh, Keenan Peely coming in as a transfer from BYU is going to factor in there at linebacker, too. He's an older guy that can kind of help lead that group, even as a newcomer. But then I think you have Elijah Herring as a player to talk about. Caleb Perry is a second-year guy that I do think they like his potential. And then I mentioned Arion Carter. He's a guy that looks like he's been in college for more than just a couple of months, and he was highly touted as a recruit from Smyrna. Arian Carter is a guy that two years ago would have signed with Alabama, and it came down to Tennessee and Alabama in this recruiting cycle. But Tennessee's program is in a different position than it was two years ago. Two years ago, Tennessee loses Arian Carter to Alabama. Two years later, because of the development of the program and what the Vols are able to sell, they beat out Alabama to get Arian Carter. And that can make a difference in what Tennessee's defense is. The defense still has a lot to prove, but compared to where the defense was personnel-wise two years ago when Josh Heupel arrived, I think they are much happier with the amount of talent they have, the depth of it, which creates more competition on the field, which should get them ready for September. So that doesn't mean all of a sudden this is a top three defense in the SEC, but I think at every level they have more speed, more athleticism, which creates more competition that the best teams just have to have if they're going to go up against the best teams like Alabama and Georgia and you know who else in the SEC. So Carter at linebacker helps with that. And your original question was about Elijah Herring. I think they like him a lot too and what he can be. Yeah, I hear that Carter's upside is really, really high. <clears throat> um, Nathan Leacock, um, your, your thoughts there. Again, kind of that second tier type of guy that probably needs a little time to develop is what I hear. How about you? Yeah, same. Uh, they like his talent. He was evaluated as not a high-level wide receiver from his junior year heading into his senior season. And then his recruiting rankings rose because he continued to develop as a prospect. And by the time he was signing with or enrolling at Tennessee for this spring semester, he looked like a high-level receiver from the rankings. On three, it put him in the top 50 overall in the country. So last summer, last spring, when Tennessee was – 
landing Nathan Laycock and was being compared to somebody like Carnell Tate. It's like, man, we got to get Tate, or I guess we can get Nathan Laycock. This would just be the general thought if you look at rankings. Well, by the end of the cycle, that's flipped almost. So uh, at the wide receiver position, they've not rotated a lot the last couple of years, and the four guys who didn't play in the spring game, back to Caleb's point earlier, would be the four guys you expect to play when they actually start the season. Caleb Webb showed with his catch down the right sideline and then touchdown that he has some upside to try to work with. Behind the scenes, Tennessee says a lot of good things about Chaz Nimrod, and then you have Nathan Laycock as a true freshman who is talented but has a lot to learn. It's not a deep room in terms of the amount of players, but over the last couple of years, they haven't played a lot of guys. Uh, at the beginning of last season, we weren't seeing a lot of Ramel Keaton until Cedric Tillman went down. But I think Tennessee legitimately likes all seven guys in that room at receiver. And then again, somebody like Cameron Selden can factor in. The tight ends will factor into this conversation in the passing game. So Tennessee is fine personnel-wise. And in the future, I think Nathan Laycock is going to make an impact on Tennessee's offense. Nimrod's an interesting name. There are actually two definitions. It can be a skillful hunter or a foolish or inept person. Thoughts? Uh, I think he's going to skillfully hunt the football in the air. Would you, Caleb, would you, before you get to baseball, would you rather have the last name Hooker or Nimrod? (laughs) Ooh, ooh. I I mean, (laughs) you're supposed to say Hooker really quickly, Caleb. No, I'm not. I don't have to say hooker. Look, I have the worst name of anybody because my parents didn't know history and named me John C. Calhoun. Okay. That dude was a bad dude. <laughs> if y'all know history. Um, I don't. <laughs> not as well as you. Josh. Well, just- N- Nimrod, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it, it was either a song or an album from uh, Green Day in the mid to late night. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah right. I bet that was there. That, that wasn't. Oh, yeah. Someone just put Nimrod Hooker on the message boards. Sorry. It just. Now, some people, it's a skillful hunting hooker. Skillful hunting prostitute is what that is. All right. uh, Josh, Tennessee baseball. Some people think that they're suddenly a bunch of Nimrods. But um, your thoughts on getting the hookers this year. Your thoughts on how they got everybody really super excited last year and then this year just kind of been a big thud. Well, and what Tennessee was able to do last year and over the last couple of seasons might be coming back to haunt this team a little bit. This team has a lot of talent, but this team doesn't have the proven talent, and I would question if it has the mindset that last year's team had, just those players in the lineup especially, where if they faced adversity within a game, cool, Let's let's go rally back. Let's go hit a home run in the eighth inning or the ninth, and show everybody what we're made of. They did that a number of times, and I know the season ended in disappointing fashion in the Super Regional, but there are a bunch of games where Drew Gilbert or Jordan Beck or Lawson, everybody within that lineup was able to step up and get a big hit or hit a home run because they expected to do it. This year's team continues to make mistakes that gets it behind, uh, whether that's in the field or in the lineup, and then – I don't see a number of players that are ready to answer the call and rally back. And maybe that changes this weekend. But if it's going to change this weekend, it has to change against maybe the best team in the SEC, which could be the best team in the country in Vanderbilt. And that's just a a big ask. So the, the reason I say the last couple of seasons may be coming back to haunt this team a little bit, nobody feels bad for the Vols. 
Arkansas and Vandy had last weekend series and this upcoming weekend series circled. And if they see a team that is vulnerable, all the better. They will take advantage. So Tennessee better be ready because even though Tennessee is near the bottom of the SEC standings, this series very much matters to Vanderbilt. And at the beginning of the season, thanks to the pitching staff, Tennessee was the number two team in the country with the question being, well, do they belong at number one? And now the question is, are they for sure going to make the SEC tournament? Are they for sure going to be in the postseason? I think they will. And, and right now they're in a in an okay enough position. They're out of the top 25, but it doesn't really get much easier. After this week, they get a bit of a break, but they still have a couple of top 15 teams on their schedule before the end of the regular season, not to mention, again, Vanderbilt this weekend. So it's just it's been tough, but the, Tennessee has put itself in this position. Josh, don't you think, though, there's a bit of a overreaction freaking out about about the Tennessee baseball team, maybe because they expected them to be like last year's team. And look, they had, they had to replace a lot of talent. They've had a brutal slate. They played all the best. I mean, they played LSU, they mm-hmm. played Florida, they played Arkansas, they played Arkansas, they're about to play Vanderbilt. So they've had one of the most brutal slates of any SEC team. Plus they replaced a lot of talent. And if the season ends right now, they're in the NCAA tournament. And on top of that, we learned last year, if there's any NCAA tournament where seeding means absolutely nothing and what you did in the regular season is no indicator whatsoever, it's the baseball NCAA tournament. So don't you think there's a yeah. bit much of an excessive freakout right now? Well, uh, that part is true. That's the last part where you would say, hey, Ole Miss barely got in and they won the national title. So giving up would be the wrong idea. I would say that this team would they'd be fine with the regular season just halting right now. Let's move on to the postseason, get, get out of some of these series that they have to play. It's just that it's every every game almost where they they make a mistake and then it starts to compound and this isn't the same team at the plate for sure the pitching has been disappointing to where they've already had to shake up the rotation and Chase Burns has been moved to the bullpen and they do have a number of arms and that would be the positive that hey since they've had to make a shake up they at least have some players to work with there but this is a program that has changed its expectations. And yes, the competition has been really tough, but Tennessee has made things tough on itself. Tennessee also got swept by Missouri, which is two and 10 against the rest of the sec. When you take out the Tennessee series. So getting swept by Missouri couldn't have helped this team's mindset. I say that they came back and and swept Texas A&M and I thought, okay, maybe Tennessee is, has responded here. And since then, the response has been really bad. But there is still time left, to your point. And if Tennessee wins the series against Vanderbilt, then next week we're talking about, hey, that's a huge series win. Maybe they can rally from there. But they need to start putting some things together in a hurry. When I was at school many, many years ago at Tennessee, um, there's a guy named Todd Helton. You probably heard about him. And he, he made Tennessee baseball a thing. And there have been other times in the 20 or so years, um, 25 years, I guess, um, that we have up on 30, 30 <laughs> years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. So 30 years, because <laughs> 92, we graduated together. Um, but we've seen other times where Tennessee's ba- baseball has kind of been a thing. Last year was a huge thing. But can Tennessee fans realistically hope for more that they – they are the championship contender each and each and every year. Um, or is this going to be a, every once in a while a story and then it's not a story? Well, I think Tennessee should hope to be an NCAA tournament team every year. And yeah. if you are that, then 
you have a shot to Caleb's point earlier, get in and you have a shot because it's not, it's, it's not easy, but it's not single elimination. They're just, there are ways to advance no matter what position you're in. It's realistic for that to happen. Uh, and with the salary that they are paying Tony Vitello and with his ability to recruit and with what they're going to be putting into facility upgrades, then yeah, expectations should be high for Tennessee baseball. If the expectation is go to the world series every year, that's unfair, but it's fair to expect more than this from Tennessee's baseball team. They were the preseason number two team in the country, so uh, they, they should be a lot better. But uh, the competition is so difficult to face in the SEC, and that's part of the reason that Tennessee is where it is at 5-10 and 10 in the SEC. So part of it's self-inflicted. Tennessee's just dropped off and not been as good in certain areas as a lot of us expected at the beginning of the season. But, you know, and, and, uh, I think it was a few weeks ago now, but, Tony Vitello came out of the game saying nobody's going to be asking for any five-star reviews on the coaching. So he's been self-critical publicly at times. How could he not be? Fans still love him. But when you produce like you did the last couple of seasons, expectations go up. And uh, it, it, I, I, another comment from Tony Vitello was, you know, there's no like halfway in Tennessee fan. Tennessee fans bleed orange and that's all they care about. And that's what's going to come with a program that's on the rise. Yeah, the head scratcher to me is I thought the I thought the pitching would be where they made their hay, and that yeah, I mean the the pitching just hasn't been everything that they hoped. Uh, the the mistakes in the field have been disastrous. The, Tennessee Tennessee does not create enough opportunities, striking out too much on at the plate, errors in the field, which then give the other teams opportunities. Pitching not strong enough a lot of the time. Uh, not to single out one player, but there was a lot of anticipation with Maui Ahuna coming in, and that has not worked out. And uh, it's just it's a long list of things that have gone wrong so far this season for Tennessee. Great stuff, Josh. We appreciate it as always. Follow Josh at Josh underscore Ward. He's got a great newsletter each and every week that comes out. And if you're in Knoxville or want to app it, however you want to do that, he's on the Sports Animal. We certainly appreciate it, Josh. We will uh, talk to you soon. Have a great day. High five, man. You got it. Thanks, guys. Don't get, don't get, don't get too stoned on uh, 420 day. By the way, <laughs> all all rules are off. Well, again, three kids, five and under. I'm delirious, so you could confuse me for that. But uh, Josh, it's, Josh it's simply – Josh it's, is practically stoned as a bat right now. It's sleep deprivation and uh, caffeine overload. So that's the combination that I often go through my days with gleefully. I've, I've been there, brother. Have a blessed day. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you, Josh Ward of the Sports Animal. Portions hey, how of the long program. before Tony Vitello tells Tennessee fans to go to Kmart? How <laughs> long? Portions of the program brought to you by Zool Beer, xulbeer.com, zulbeer.com, and you can check them out. They've got parking downtown, which you don't have most of the time, and worldwide award-winning craft beer. That is pretty awesome. There is a certain well-known writer that thinks Tennessee is going to lose to one of the worst teams on its schedule this fall. Wow. Stay tuned, Caleb. Dave, off the hook sports. We'll get to that after this. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. 
So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's repair. Craven Wings has the cleanest, healthiest wings in town. We pride ourselves on our slogan, always fresh, never frozen. Come try us and discover the difference yourself. New location now open at the Markets at Chodo. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vassie Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vassie, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vassie's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Uh, who's this guy? Hello, Wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Well, this What the H coming up is going to blow you away. Wow. Just don't know where this guy's getting this. And I like Brad Crawford, 247 Sports. Portions of the program brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com. Integrity matters, especially with the warm temperatures coming. You need to know if you need a new unit altogether or just part, and that's where you'll get taken care of right there at City Heating and Air Conditioning in Knoxville, cityheatandair.com. And uh, let's go ahead and get to What the H, because What the H is brought to you by our good buddy Andy Mason at andymasonrealestate.com. What the H? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Tell me what Brad Crawford had to say, Caleb Calhoun. All right, so he did a recent, and I'm having trouble pulling it up, funny enough, because I didn't save the leak, unfortunately, but he did a recent projection of SEC teams and their records. And he had Tennessee football going nine and three. But the standout was that. Monster disappointment, right? <laughs> I mean, we. Wouldn't I don't it? know if I would say disappointment. I think a lot of people are projecting nine and three. I'm projecting 10 and two just because I think the schedule is going to be that much easier. Um, but yes, I see what you're, I see where you're coming from. And, and if you look at the schedule, it is a monster disappointment in, in, I would say he has Tennessee losing to Missouri. I don't know where he gets Tennessee losing to Missouri. I I just, I have no idea where that's going. And I I think, I think you and I both think similarly that Missouri is probably going to become one of the worst teams in the SEC very soon, right? 
I would think so. Um, I look at Tennessee's football schedule. So he's got Tennessee losing to Missouri. All I can think of, what would be the reasoning of that? Um, is the is the reasoning that it's a, a revenge game, which I would think it would be, but no, he has it at the trap game because of it's right before Georgia, and he's reminded of the what he says face plant Tennessee had last year against South Carolina. But that's not like a thing that happens every year. That's there, that was a unique situation based on Jeremy Banks and a fight he started with Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton having to get involved. So I, I don't think that you know I, I don't think that you can apply that same thing to Missouri. No, and yeah, I, don't, I didn't think South Carolina was very good, so I want to be forthright. I thought Tennessee would handle South Carolina easily, and I think they'll handle Missouri easily. Um, you know, you, you you had the worst timing of all time that Spencer Rattler came out of his shell and that they found uh, a direction for that offense. And South Carolina has picked up three commitments recently, and I think that's clearly because Tennessee opened the door in in that October game and. And they uh, – alter November? It was November. Um, and they allowed South Carolina to survive. And I really thought from people I talked to in the coaching community that at that time they were slipping. There were some people that didn't believe in Shane Beamer. There could be coaching changes and recruiting would suffer. Tennessee opened the door for South Carolina to have the recruiting class that they're having right now. And then Tennessee opened the door for them to obviously beat Clemson. So they went on, played Notre Dame, and uh, I believe it was the Tax Slayer Bowl. Close game. You get that kind of uh, perception out there that you're a program on the rise, whether or not it's true. You do not want to open that door for Missouri, who Tennessee has had success recruiting in that area. You don't want to open that door and give Eli Drinkwitz an opportunity to turn that program around. Yes, I I agree. I agree. You um you don't want to do that at all. I don't know if they're going to be. I, I I don't know if Missouri is capable of opening that door. They did beat Tennessee the first three years they played in the SEC. I believe 2012, 2013, and 2014. And for a long time, they had the advantage. It was finally last year. Last year was the first year Tennessee finally took the series lead against Missouri, six to five. Now because of how bad the program was in the mid 2010s so i think that tennessee i i think they can't let missouri catch them i i don't think they will i mean they're coming out game what the game that made me believe josh heupel had something was missouri two years ago tennessee's going to missouri and they i thought missouri was going to win missouri was favored missouri was one of the circle losses in that game and tennessee beats the breaks off them. I mean, just embarrasses them. And I think that totally changed the trajectory of the program. As I know we had a little static issue. Let me know that that's cleared up. My apologies for that. And yeah, I, I, I don't see when we talk about trap games, we could talk about trap games, every game that Tennessee plays before Alabama, before Georgia, before Florida, we could, we could go on and on and on, but in order to be a real trap game, they have to, you have to realistically have an opportunity to win, right? I just don't see Missouri having that opportunity. I feel like this was just a really surface view of the Vols, what they did last year, and looking forward to this year. I mean, 
Tennessee's a better fo- Tennessee should be a better football team if the quarterback situation is worked out, and I think it will be in one shape, form, or fashion. I mean, to, to see them losing to Missouri just seems like a stretch to me. Now that does turn me to this, and I look at Tennessee's football schedule. So obviously, the ones you should be most concerned about are Alabama and Georgia, but of the other teams on Tennessee's schedule. Who are you most concerned about? And I want to take Alabama and Georgia out of the equation. Remind you that what the H is brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Andy Mason has over 40 years of experience. His group does in real estate in Knoxville. Completely take care of you, save you thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. So what game on Tennessee's schedule you think is the most disconcerting for Tennessee fans other than Alabama or Georgia? Brad Crawford of 247 says Missouri. Um, what say you, Caleb Calhoun? Before I answer my question, or that, that question, is it crazy? Like, what era are we living in where we're not naming Florida? This is the team that Tennessee can't hasn't been able to buy a win against the last 20 years until last year. And before that, it was the circle game. And we're just like, nah, Tennessee should win that game. (laughs) No, I completely agree. I I mean, I think Florida's a mess. You said that yesterday. Mm -hmm. But Florida, I I completely agree with you. That, to me, is, I don't know if it's a trap game, but you're on the road. You've got Austin P the week before. You've got Texas San Antonio the week after. So I don't know if it's a trap game. But if you made me bet a week's salary, that Tennessee's going to lose to Florida or Missouri. It's not even close. Yeah, I agree. Florida, it's Florida. Right? Yep, but there's one team more likely than both to beat them, and it's the one we've been seeing for a while, and Josh Ward said it and got my attention, and it's Kentucky. And Tennessee plays Kentucky the week after they play Alabama. They have to go to Kentucky, and Kentucky gets ten- will be coming off a bye. So Kentucky will be coming off a bye. Tennessee will be coming off a Al- uh, hard-fought Alabama game either way. There's going to be a hangover for Tennessee and that Kentucky almost beat them two years ago. So I think Kentucky's the scariest team, not named Georgia or Alabama. No, I and, agree. I, I felt like last year too, they tried to ride Will Levis a little bit too hard. I think there were times that he probably shouldn't have been playing because of injuries. So he was largely ineffective against the Vols. Uh, you've got to think they're going to get better quarterback play, even though he's a first round draft pick. Um, but he was beat up so much last year. I just thought they caught Kentucky at the right time. I, I think that is the trap game. I don't even think it's close. I agree. I don't think it's close. And some people are mentioning AM. Guys, Tennessee's beating the brakes off AM. I'm I'm gonna keep saying that until it happens because AM is going to be a disaster of a program. I'm talking three and nine, and they're gonna lose to one of their group of five teams. It's gonna be a bad year. Now, Tim says South Carolina. If Tennessee had beaten South Carolina, 32 to 31 last year uh, in Columbia. I could, and then let's say that Clemson, or I'm sorry, South Carolina went ahead, got hot, beat Clemson, played well in the Gator Bowl. I could see that, but I think Tennessee more than any other team has that, that has the Gamecocks circled on their schedule. I see no chance that they come out and show up flat to that game. No chance. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. That cost them a spot in the playoff. They would have been the fourth team in the playoff after TCU lost in the Big 12 title game. It would have been Tennessee, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, period, end of story. And yet there is absolutely no way they're going to forget that game. 
and they will be and, and and now jeremy banks is not with the program so that's another big boost because honestly i think if jeremy banks were there there would be some distractions with him being on the team and then playing south carolina again but it sounds, it sounds crazy to say this but talent wise those two teams um, I thought Tennessee had the edge, but those two teams were a lot closer than the score would indicate. That was such a sign of dysfunction on Tennessee's side that it was as much what they did. No offense to South Carolina. You beat Clemson the next week, but that was as much what Tennessee did in Columbia that night as it was what as what South Carolina did. Yeah, there was clearly like we knew Tennessee's defense wasn't that good. It wasn't that bad. By no metric was it that bad. And that was just really, really weird to watch. I, I'm with you. I, I think they're beating South Carolina pretty handily this year. And also, I think Josh Heupel is we, – we were learning this about Josh Heupel. He doesn't – he's not that every game stands on its own and we take it equal. No, he takes some things personal. He does. And no, Totally. He did it I – mean, he showed, showed up Missouri on purpose. Yeah. That was an accident. And Eli Drinkwitz during – SEC media days talked about Tennessee's cheating and all that stuff. He did that on purpose. So I, I, I think that clearly Josh Heupel has a memory. He likes to rub people's nose in it when he uh, has a chance. Now, let me ask you this. What would be the, the costliest loss for the Vols other than Alabama and Georgia, which they will be underdogs in those games, but the costliest loss, would it be Missouri? Would it be A&M? Would it be South Carolina? I'm going to go ahead and go first, if you don't mind. I'm going South Carolina because I think you've seen over the past few days with the commitments that South Carolina has gotten, those aren't guys that Tennessee was after, but they are going to be guys that Tennessee's after eventually. Tennessee's going to go head-to-head with South Carolina in recruiting wars, and they always won that when they were elite. Caleb, they never lost recruiting wars against South Carolina. They start losing those, then that's – that's disconcerting. I think that would be the costliest loss other than Alabama, Georgia. I agree. Mr. I Jones is Austin P. I mean, realistic though, Mr. Jones. Go Austin P is not going to win some recruiting battles with Tennessee in the future either. So sure. it's, it's South Carolina and you're right. I wrote this two years ago when South Carolina first came to Knoxville Hypo's first year. And I said, Tennessee needs to blow them out because Tennessee smells blood. South Carolina is reeling and they need to pounce. It's no secret. I mean, it's no coincidence that one of the contributing factors to the downfall of Tennessee football was Steve Spurrier going to South Carolina. He was keeping those kids in state at that point. Jadavian Clowney doesn't go to South Carolina otherwise if Steve Spurrier is not there. And I think that was a huge blow to Tennessee. They need South Carolina to be bad. I mean, they don't need South Carolina to be – they need them to not be competitive at all if they're, if they're going to continue to be able to recruit the way they want. NIL does change that. They have some more options on where they can go. They can go throw $7 million at a five-star quarterback from California. But I think in in general, they want to recruit South Carolina. And yeah, they I think they need to beat the brakes off South Carolina this year. Missouri is a different story. You're not really ever under a threat of Missouri out recruiting you. I, I just don't think, I don't think it's that, ex- I don't think athletes want to play for Missouri. Honestly, I don't no, think if they have a top 25 class, that's a cause for a parade down campus. Uh, whereas Tennessee, I think, is is creeping up on, on those schools that expect a top five class. And a top five class and a top 25 class is worlds different because a top 25 class, you could be eighth in the SEC. 
Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's a big deal. And you know this, you go to Missouri, the apathy among the fan base is terrible. The atmosphere is awful. The Missouri media is probably, it's the opposite of Homer, which is they just look for reasons to come down on you as hard as possible. And so, you know, athletes don't really want any of that. So they're not really, yeah, Missouri's, I think Vanderbilt could out recruit Missouri, if I'm being honest with you. If you, I mean, you're at least in Nashville. It's comparable. I mean, you would have the academic restrictions, right? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that, every that, school in the SEC loosens the academic restrictions for the rock player, except but, Vanderbilt, right? But that's a selling point. If you know, given the level of recruiting athlete they're going for, the academics could actually benefit Vanderbilt because there are good athletes who would like the who like the thought of having a degree from Vanderbilt at that small that aren't thinking if you're not thinking NFL. And at that point, why not Vanderbilt? And so, I mean, you're in Nashville. If you're good, nobody cares. But if you're bad, also nobody cares. In Missouri, if you're good, nobody cares. And if you're bad, you got writers everywhere calling you out and trashing you. <laughs> so I just think that me personally, I, if I'm, I'm down to the two schools, I would actually pick Vanderbilt. Kentucky, there is actually a pretty good atmosphere in Kentucky. It's not a great football program, but the fan base and the atmosphere is great up there you got to give them some credit for that and portions of the program brought to you by vassy lawn and garden man alive it's worth the drive vassy lawn and garden has the industrial commercial and residential mowers that you need whether or not you're coming from knoxville nashville or chattanooga right there in cleveland tennessee go to vassy.com to learn more and they bring you jacob warren each and every week vassy lawn and garden man alive it's worth the drive toro count on it vassy.com Tomorrow, it's a football Friday with Fred, so don't miss it. We love talking to Fred White. We'll have more conversation about the big Celebrate 98 series come out. And uh, Travis says, Missouri media is comparable to Dave on Milton. I'll just leave you on that note. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. He's Caleb Gallagher, and I'm Dave Hooker. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 